crazy. What is? Weston chuckled. Yeah, he's a tough egg, all right. But why are you saying the voyage is crazy? The watchman took a step closer, and Weston caught the scent of bourbon on his breath. Just is, that's why. You ask anybody on the docks. Let me tell you, there's some mighty smart fellows around here, even if they ain't got such high and mighty jobs. And everybody around the docks says it's crazy. They got stuff stowed aboard that vessel I don't believe yet. Even if I did see it, go aboard with my own two eyes. And take the crew. Old Anglehorn's hired on extra hands three times as many as he needs to sail the ship. Take shoehorns to squeeze them all aboard. He shook his head, his aromatic breath pluming out on the snowy air. Before he could start again, a man's voice called down from the deck of the Wanderer. Hey, on the gangway there, what do you want? First mate, Driscoll his name is. Looking up, Weston saw a figure at the low rail amidships, outlined in light streaming from a cabin astern and higher up. What do you want? Want to come aboard, Mr. Driscoll? Weston yelled back, and he started to climb the wet, slippery gangway cautiously. Your boss is expecting me. You must be Weston, then. Come on aboard. Watch your step there. The climb was treacherous and steep, but Weston made it, then stepped onto the deck and got his first clear look at Driscoll. He was a tall young man, strongly built, with reckless eyes and a firm mouth. He held out his hand and Weston shook it, feeling an immediate liking for the young fellow. Jack Driscoll. Broadway's one and only John Weston, the uh, ace of theatrical agents. Weston was puffing a little from the climb, and he grinned. Even if my wind isn't what it used to be. Come aft. Denim's wild to hear from you. Have you found the girl? In the darkness, Weston's cheer evaporated. He made a wry face but said nothing as he followed Driscoll's swinging stride aft, then up a short ladder to the lighted cabin. Weston blinked in the strong light. In contrast to the rusty sides of the ship, the cabin was spick and span, furnished with the Spartan simplicity of seagoing vessels. No decorations, apart from a pipe rack on one wall, a small mirror on the other, and a rack hung with a pea jacket, a civilian overcoat, and a couple of hats. For the rest, four chairs, an oblong map table, an open crate containing black iron spheres, smaller than grapefruit, but larger than oranges, and a brightly polished brass cuspidor. Two men stood in the cabin, both of them looking expectantly at Weston. Visitor, Captain, Driscoll said to one of the men, of no more than middle height. He had a heavy brown mustache touched with gray, and held in his hand a battered old briar pipe. The man was in vest and shirt sleeves, but wore a captain's uniform cap, along with an air of command. The captain's sharp eyes acknowledged Driscoll's introduction, but he didn't speak as he tamped down the tobacco in his pipe and applied a match to it. Puffing, he stepped aside, leaving the stage clear for his companion. Weston knew this man, Carl Denham, a well-tailored, well-groomed fellow of thirty-five, looking as if he might belong behind a stockbroker's desk, though Weston had to admit he had never met anyone on Wall Street with Denham's air of solid power, of indomitable will. Denham's bright brown eyes, shining with an unquenchable zest for life, flashed at Weston, 
And in an impatient voice, the film director snapped, Weston, about time. I was just about to go ashore to ring you up. Weston's feet were feeling damp and cold from the snow. If I'd known that, I would have waited in my office. Denham grinned. Well, now you're here, shake hands with the skipper. Captain Englehorn, this is John Weston of Broadway. Englehorn exhaled a cloud of pungent smoke, then extended a hard, rough hand. He didn't say a word, but as soon as Weston had shaken his hand, Englehorn stooped to drag the crate of iron spheres aside to make room at the table for Weston. Sit down, sit down, Denham said, sinking into the chair opposite Weston's, but lightly, as if ready to spring up any moment. I take it you've met the first mate here, Jack Driscoll. We've met, Weston said, with a smile at Driscoll, who grinned and nodded his agreement. Denham hardly waited for the answer. These two are a pair like you've never met on Broadway, old man. Both were with me on my last trip, and I'll tell you right now, if they weren't going along this time, I'd think twice before I started. Weston took off his hat and set it on the table. Under Denham's intense gaze, he shifted uncomfortably but did not reply. For a moment, a silence stretched out, with Denham looking him quizzically in the face. Then Denham leaned forward and said, Where's the girl, Weston? With a sigh, Weston met Denham's gaze. Haven't got one. What? Denham leaped up from his chair and struck the table hard with the flat of his hand. Look here, Weston. Actors' equity and the Hayes office have warned off every actress I've tried to hire, and every agent but you has backed away. You're my last hope. Look, you know I'm square. Weston waved a gloved hand. Denham, everyone knows you're square, but they also know how reckless you are, and you haven't inspired confidence in this picture by being so secretive. That's the truth, Englehorn said around the stem of his pipe. Absolutely, agreed Driscoll, his arms crossed. Denham hasn't told me or the skipper where the old ship is heading. We're under sealed orders, and who ever heard of that when the trip's just to shoot a movie? Weston spread his hands, palms up. There you are. Look, Denham, think of my reputation. I can't ask a young, pretty girl to go on a job like this without even telling her what to expect. How about a homely one? Denham asked with a grin. He waved off Weston's protest. No, skip it. What do you suppose she has to expect? Weston felt his face growing warm with irritation. All I could tell her would be that she's going on a ship for nobody knows how long to some spot that you won't name, the only woman on a ship full of tough mugs. He broke off, noticing the stares of Englehorn and Driscoll. Weston coughed. Of course, I mean the crew. Denham was pacing restlessly. He paused and smacked his hand down on the table again. Weston, I'm going on the biggest shoot of my life, and I have to have a girl to put in this picture. You never had an actress in any of your other films. Not even an actor, for that matter. Why do you need one this time? Not because I want to have one. Denham paused in his pacing. It's the public, that's why. The public wants a pretty woman's face. According to them, adventure's as dull as dishwater. There's no romance in it. Unless every so often up pops a face to launch a thousand ships, or is it saps? But in an animal picture, a bring them back alive... Imagine! I work, I slave, I sweat blood to make a good picture. 
It plays the theaters and makes a dime. But the public says, We would have liked it better if there was a woman in it. And the reviewers say, If the film had a love interest, it would have grossed twice as much. Up to now I've been on my own, not beholden to any studio. I've arranged the financing for every movie myself, put myself in hock to do it often enough. There's my wife and son in a house I've mortgaged to the hilt, waiting for me to succeed. Only now there's a depression on, and the banks won't give me a second look unless I can guarantee a big box office. For that I need—I have to have— a woman in the picture. They want a girl? By George, I'll give them a girl. Weston had watched Denham's growling monologue with growing impatience. He stood up and put on his hat. Well, Denham, I'm sorry, but there's nothing I can do for you. You've got to, and you've got to do it in a hurry. We're sailing on the morning tide. Have to be away from here by daylight. The declaration puzzled Weston. What? You're not due to sail for another week. Why the rush? Denham glanced at Englehorn, who shrugged. Then, in the same angry growl, he muttered, Guess it won't hurt to tell you at this stage of the game. We're carrying explosives, and the insurance company's got wind of it. If we don't get away in a jump, the marshal's deputy will be on our necks, and then we'll be tied up in court for months. Explosives? With a wry grin... Denham reached down to the box Englehorn had set aside and retrieved one of the iron spheres. He tossed it and caught it again, making Weston tense his muscles. Denham barked a short laugh. Relax, I know how to handle these things. I invented them. This is just to make a point. Weston, I wouldn't lie to you. I...